As soon as I woke up this morning, I put on the soundtrack to If Beale Street Could Talk. Oof. Oh, that score is the only thing I care about right now. Yeah. It's just full of bangers. Bangers that make you, like, cry and stuff. more beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like, brushing my teeth and, like, listening to the score, and I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever done. <laughs> brushing my teeth right now. Barry Jenkins directing me brushing my teeth. Oh, goodness. Best Have picture you seen 2019. All of, <laughs> all of those videos um, that people are doing where they're making, like, these... They're making these beautiful, like, home videos of just, like, black love. And they're setting it to the score for Beale Street. And they're, like, showing all these beautiful moments. Oh, I haven't it's seen so it. Beautiful. But... It's so beautiful. Barry Jenkins is, like, retweeting all of them on his Twitter. So if you want to just see pure beauty and happiness and joy... I highly suggest looking at his Twitter. Hello all, I'm Sarah and that's Sarah. I am also Sarah. And we are the Cinema Rolls. Uh, thank you Yay. for listening today. Um, we're just... I. It's been a very long two weeks. What was our last episode about? Oh, man. Uh, Oscar nominations? Wow. Oscar nominations? No. No. We've had... Good, bad movies. Um, good, bad movies. Good, good bad movies. Wow. <laughs> it's really been, like, some weeks. A second. <laughs> yeah. So, we are... Back to being serious about our craft, apparently. Yes. (laughs) We're back here. Um, Let's talk about how the Oscars are falling apart. Listen. A little bit. As a movie lover, they are embarrassing me. Yeah. I... Okay, so let's just start with... Last year, they said they were going to do a popular film category. Everyone said, no, 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 that's stupid. There's already a popular film category. It's called the box office. Mm-hmm. You don't need this. They And the only, we all know the only reason that you want to make this is because you don't think that you could nominate Black Panther or Crazy Rich Asians alongside other Best Picture nominations. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? And they were like, okay, got it, got it. Okay, we won't do that. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, good, good, good. Just kidding. It was and, a joke. Yeah. Chill. No, we were just kidding. We just wanted to see what you guys would say. Um, and then they said... Hello, everyone. Kevin Hart is going to be hosting this year. And everyone went, no, no, no. <laughs> Look at these tweets. And then the Oscar said, oh, wait, no, you guys are right. We're not going to have Kevin Hart host. We're going to find another host. And then the Oscar said, actually, just kidding. We're going to no have no host. host. <laughs> no host at all. And then the Oscar said, we're trying to shorten this year's broadcast. So uh, only two of the original song nominees are going to perform and we said excuse me how are you going to pick just two people to perform and in the past all the songs have performed this is ridiculous that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. what are you doing and the oscar said you're right that doesn't make any sense we'll have all the songs like all right thank you oscars then they said 
You know what? We're going to switch things up a bit. Last year's acting winners are not going to present this year's acting winners. And they started tweeting out all the people who were presenting. Everyone was like, you know, what's going on here? Like, where, where, where are the last year's acting winners? And they said, they're not presenting. And then we said, no, no, no. And they said, oh, wait, no, I'm just kidding. There, they will present. And then... They said, not all categories are going to be live broadcasted. And everyone said, no. to the no. And they said for a while, they said, we're not changing our minds. This is the one thing we're not changing our minds on. We think this one makes sense. And then yesterday they said, actually, you're right. We've thought about it. We're going to present everything live. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean... Honestly, at this point, let's just yell at them until they nominate Tony Collette. Oh, no, no, no. We're just kidding. Oh, no. Just kidding. Honestly, let's yell at them until they unnominate Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Yes. Can we also just add, can we just add this, like, tradition of not nominating female directors to the list of the things that they have made a mistake on, but they are going to backtrack on? Funny you say that, Sarah. Oh! Interesting. (laughs) Did you know that that is our topic today? Can you believe that? What? What? You mean we we somehow managed to meld the best holiday of the year, Galentine's Day, that happened last week, with the other uh, sort of best holiday of the year, Oscar Sunday, (laughs) happening next week. (laughs) Yeah, used to be. I had, a, I had a friend tell me recently that the Oscars was, at this point, it's just Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just, we're going to keep coming back regardless. We, we can't do anything about it at this point. We're here. Mm-hmm. So, what are we discussing this week? Um, we're talking about female directors, um, all time, yeah. but specifically, like, 2018, right. um, that we believe could have been nominated mm-hmm. for Oscars or just did a fantastic job this year. Yeah. Because, um, like Natalie Portman said at the Golden Globes last year, here are the all-male Oscar nominees for right. directors. Right. Because um, um, in less than a week, we will see a male director win an Oscar uh, because only male directors were, in fact, nominated. And that's... You know, like, we're not saying they were bad directors. Right. That's not what we're going for. Right. We're not trying to tell you guys that female directors are always better than male directors. Because there are some female directors that make some really crap movies, but there are also some male directors that make some really crap movies. But there are also female directors that make Oscar-worthy movies. Right. Uh, And the goal is just, just... just kind of tell all of you about these movies because you might have missed them last year because the academy's job is to kind of highlight you know extraordinary art over the last year and give them the platform that they deserve and the academy just didn't do a good job of doing that this year um and so not these these movies aren't necessarily all of our like our favorites but a lot of them definitely deserve to be nominated more than some that were nominated and i think it's and that's the tea it's a discouraging thing for female directors to right. see only men nominated you wonder if you will Just ever be recognized year. yeah um so 
let's just get into a little bit of history before we start talking about the movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the Oscars have really been around for like 91 years. Um, and in 91 years, only five women have ever been nominated for Best Director. Only one of them has won, and no women of color have ever been nominated. That's, those aren't good stats. Right. So those do you are... want to talk about the uh, the women that have been nominated? Yeah, so um, these five women that have ever been nominated for Best Director mm-hmm. um, are Lena Vertmuller um, for Seven Beauties in 1975. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the first one ever. Um, Jane Campion for The Piano in 1994. Uh, Sofia Coppola in Lost in Translation, um, 2003. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, who's the only winner ever for The Hurt Locker in 2009. And then um, the rightful winner of Best Director last year, yeah. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird in 2017. Um, she, yeah, was, she, she was beaten by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, which, I mean, sure. I mean, he wasn't the best director last year. No. He was I don't even think he was close to the I best wouldn't have picked him year, to beat out Greta. Jordan Peele is also nominated. Well, I would pick him year. over I would pick him over Del Toro. Guillermo. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the argument usually or at least here's the thing. The argument that I have heard from white men <laughs> is usually that the Oscars quote unquote reflect the kind of work that is being made and that usually female directed work isn't being made and i would just like to say that one that is ridiculous um there's a filmmaker that i love uh jack howard and in his podcast he recently said but shouldn't the oscars want to set the tone for what should be celebrated um and maybe that the cycle that we are seeing is that female directors are feeling discouraged to make work for an industry that just ignores them Mm-hmm. when they do make work that is deserving of recognition and it's not getting any. Um, and so there's that. And also, especially this year, like, okay, maybe in the past years, all the, like, I find it very hard to believe, but benefit of the doubt, maybe in past years, the only good movies that were made that whole year were made by male directors. Mm-hmm. Let's just assume that. Sure. But this year... That argument makes no sense because this year's collection of movies includes just so many incredible films that just happen to be directed by women. Yeah. This year of all years, that just, that makes no sense to me that we have an all-male nominee. Well, here's the thing. The movies that we're going to talk about that were directed by women in 2018 are different, are very unique, very original work. And I feel like what we have in the Best Director category <clears throat> is so different from the diversity that we had last yeah. year. Like, you look at last year, you had a crazy variety of movies. You had Lady the Bird, which is Water. a coming-of-age story. Yeah, Shape of Water with this weird old Hollywood sci-fi the fish, <laughs> The fish sex movie. That's all anybody ever yeah. knows it for. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what were some more... Um, we had Get Out, Get Out last yeah, like year, a, which an just incredible... broke down every single like assumption that we ever had about what a movie could be at all. Yeah. Um, and Christopher Nolan was nominated last year, and his his movie was the most like, you know, your standard like 
movie very generic (laughs) his was the most vanilla movie Mm -hmm. of the year but even still i mean i loved dunkirk i did Mm -hmm. but of all of the other movies i mean you even had phantom thread um paul thomas anderson was nominated for best director last year that's a weird movie Mm -hmm. i love it so much but it's like it's a little bizarre in the best way possible right like it's so good and then this year it just see i mean like very spikely is spikely is nominated good for him black black clansman is a great is i think his best movie but when you look at the lineup of films this year right when you look at all the other movies black clansman is a true story about racism in the deep south Green Book mm-hmm. is a true story about racism in the Deep South. So we got two of those. And then yeah. um, Vice is a generic biopic. Um, mm-hmm. Films being recognized yeah. are bland. I mean, we have we have Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. Um, yeah, that one's great, wonderful. That's yeah. the only one that's like kind of unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Yorgos is nominated too. Well, yeah. We love him, but still, he's got you know the like love him um and then so a a point that i wanted to make was like okay so female directors have to do a lot of schmoozing and handshaking and campaigning and just being charming and likable to even just be noticed like we Mm -hmm. think about last year with greta gerwig like she had that good good like a24 money behind Mm -hmm. her she has been pulling her own weight in movies since her first acting role in 2006 like she's been working hard Mm -hmm. she's been like writing and co-writing movies um she's been earning golden globes for these writing collaborations she's been working on movies with really notable uh male (laughs) directors Mm -hmm. and then she decided okay i'm gonna do my own thing and people knew the name Greta Gerwig, and then she decided to debut with a movie that was kind of unignorable. Like, you couldn't right. ignore Lady Bird, you know? And she it still didn't win. It had the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes ever. Yeah, yeah. And she still didn't win. Like, she still didn't win. Yeah. And then this year, we're going to discuss this for a second. This year, Paul Palakowski, who is um, the male director for the movie Cold War, got a nomination. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. It's a great movie. Ripped my heart out. It's a foreign language film. It's a film not in the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering how many people saw it. Like, I yeah. am wondering how, what kind of campaigning he had to do. Like, his nomination across the board was a total surprise. Like, nobody knew realized that he'd be nominated for Best Director. But he still managed to sneak in there. Mm-hmm. And yet, we couldn't nominate a female whose movies or whose movie has been all across the award season this whole year. Like, why? Why? Um, yeah so yeah that's what we're trying to spotlight yeah because in the in the past in since 2007 so from 2007 to through to through 2018 um and the best directors of like over 1200 movies 4.3 percent of the directors were women Mm. and i can't help but think that like more women would step up and make movies that deserve to be made if they knew that they weren't going to just get snubbed over and over again every single year. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into some of the movies in 2018 that were directed by women. Yeah, okay, so the first movie we're going to talk about, I watched this last night, and <laughs> it... She freaked out, guys. <laughs> I freaked out. Like, actually might be a perfect film. Uh, okay. <laughs> So, in the, I guess, kind of, we were talking about, you know, a, a non, a foreign language film being nominated. This is a 
French film, and it's called Revenge, and it's directed by Coralie Fargeat. I do not speak French, um, so <laughs> just apologies. I took five years of French, and uh, it's just enough for me to sort of understand Timothy Chalamet in interviews, <laughs> and that's all I need. There you go. Honesty, that's all I need. <laughs> but um, so this is her debut um, directing, and she directs like she has been setting up shots and working in this industry for her whole life. Like, the cinematography in this movie was, I mean, jaw-dropping. And it takes a lot, like, for me to go, oh my gosh, like, I love what they're doing here. Um, It's about a woman who, she's like a, you don't really understand, you don't know the total relationship of her and this guy, but basically she's out at a little getaway, um, with her rich older boyfriend Mm -hmm. um, who has a wife and kids at home. And um, his, two of his friends come out to where they are and um, it becomes a rape revenge story Mm. um, where she threatens to tell his wife after she's been assaulted and um, he attempts to murder her and she comes back. And kills them all. Anyway. Oh my gosh. It was so (laughs) gory and, like, gross and brutal. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was done not exploitatively at all. That's so good. Because you find that with so many, not not even just rape revenge stories, but just revenge stories. Yes. It was so, I mean, it was almost like they talk about a woman's touch. You could almost feel that. Because she mm-hmm. lets you get very uncomfortable, but never made it exploitative. Um, she had such a strong hand um, mm-hmm. in the direction of this movie. And, like, the color theory in it, it is such a deep, deep film. But at the same time, it is an effective thriller. Um, oh I loved it so much. And the directing was the reason this film was amazing. So. Yeah. I honestly am hurt that she didn't get any recognition because revenge is going to go down in history as it's like people have described it as new French extremism. But to Mm -hmm. me, it is so much better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, It is deft and um, it would not be as good as it is without Fargeat at the at the helm. Um, Yeah. I loved that movie, and I've heard almost nothing about it, and it really hurts my feelings because I think it's oh no, yeah, an incredible film that n- deserves to be recognized. Yeah, um, I've seen all the hype around this. I've seen from like film Twitter and like, yeah. Letterboxd, and like not so much just like widespread hype around right. it. But everything I've heard about it has been great. Yes, it was um, an experience. So, um, moving on, I'm going to talk about the movie Leave No Trace, directed mm-hmm. by Deborah Granick. Um, so this is a story about a father and a, his daughter, and the father has PTSD, um, and we just kind of follow their lives as they go from, like, living in the woods through trying to navigate their relationship through, like, trying to figure out what home is or, like, where you belong and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, um, the thing about this movie is, so I, I personally did not love this movie Mm -hmm. because I 
what I thought that I felt like I was being like really like manipulated throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that for a director to make you feel exactly what she wanted you to feel like that is good directing. Mm -hmm. I just personally, like with the story of this movie, I was just like, I can't do this. Like it was like too much for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know plenty of people whose favorite movie of the entire year is this this movie was on Barack Obama's favorite films of 2018 list. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah Granick was gaining so much traction throughout the entire festival season, and she was nominated for almost every directing award, all, like in every festival mm-hmm. that this film was shown in. Um, she even won the Los Angeles Film Critic Association Award, the uh, the LAFCA, <laughs> um, <laughs> for best director, and she beat Alfonso Cuarón. Wow. For, for yeah, for that award. And so this this movie to me makes no sense that she's not nominated mm-hmm. for best director because I mean, I'm pre- like film critics across the board agree. Yeah. This movie. Yeah. Barack Obama loved this <laughs> movie. Um this movie it just I just I don't understand how someone can be nominated for and win so many awards all festival season and then when it comes for, to the oscars they just forgot that mm-hmm. that this existed fun fact um the the author of the novel this is adapted from also wrote winter's bone which Ooh. was jennifer lawrence's festival breakout hit ah. that was filmed in the ozarks of arkansas <gasps> Look at Arkansas. Look at it. They're getting their claim to flame. That came to claim, claim to flame. Claim to flame. Bill Clinton, who? Claim to flame. Oh, goodness. Um, so let's talk about the next movie, the like happiest okay. <laughs> movie of the year. So this movie is a Netflix original that just like caught the hearts of all the people. Oh, and people. the reason I want to talk about it is not necessarily because I think Anne Fletcher should be nominated for Best Director for this movie, mm-hmm. but because Anne Fletcher consistently elevates the material she is given more mm-hmm. than any, like, male director I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Fletcher, you may also know her for directing The Proposal, Step Up, and 27 Dresses. And she Classics. directed Dumplin'. And she directed Dumplin' yes. this year. Um, so Dumplin' is an adaptation of a novel, and it is so, it has such a soul, truly. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I laughed, I cried, um, it, it was, it made me smile so hard, just like, the happiest movie. Yeah. I've never seen her do anything but wonderful things with the material she's given, and she's such a competent and heartfelt director. She's never had a movie that I was like, that's not very good. Right. The Proposal is one of the greatest movies of all time. Dude. 27 Dresses is is a classic, and I will fight to the death for that. They did a reunion photo shoot recently. There's and a reason Step Up had, like, six sequels. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think they're coming out with another one. Probably. Because I think we have to move all those movies to the prequel and sequel section at the store. And I was like, why? <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then it's like... She probably inspired, like, Suspiria, directed by Luca oh. Guadagnino. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> With Step Up. Suspiria, the, the Step Up, the, the version of Step Up that, you know, we all really needed. Yeah. Let's be real. 
Yep. Um, yes, I I agree. Dumplin' was the sweetest movie. I didn't realize how invested I was until it, it yeah. the end. And, and then I was like, oh, no, I love these people. Where did that come from? There's such good character development. It's a There's really... such, like, subtle representation to all sorts of different type of women in this movie. Uh, and it's not, like, an in-your-face thing. It's just like, hey, this is life. That's literally... Thing. I mean, like... I hate nothing more than when people, like, try to put themselves up on a pedestal for representing. Right. But I love nothing more than when it is just done casually and kindly and, you know. And women do that very, very well. Women do that because what men tend to do, hashtag not all men, but hashtag most men, (laughs) will put, like, a moment of representation for um, a, like, more non-represented group of people in a project and they'll go look at what i did yeah and look at how i put that you will get a scene where that person talks about like how sad their life is as a yeah as as an insert blank here of what they are a black woman a transgender person yeah whatever it is whatever it is it you will get like a oh my life is just so tragic scene yeah and with dumpling everybody's life is being celebrated everybody is yeah doing the most to support each other even Ugh. like the the quote-unquote villain of the movie right by the end of it you really feel for her too yeah i mean jennifer aniston gives a fantastic performance jennifer aniston our ageless queen truly she just turned 50 yeah uh no! watch this movie and tell me that that's even remotely true oh my but gosh yeah. and as much as you know we weren't a fan of the Dumplin' Cinematic Universe extending into Bird Box. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our Bird Box episode. Um, we're fine. <laughs> but this is great. Oh my goodness. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, she's just consistent. It's got Dolly Parton. Come on. Yeah. Like, and Dolly Fletcher songs, just consistently knocks it out of the yeah. park. And that's, She's a very consistent director. And that is and something that yeah. I appreciate so much. Yeah. When that. we have the M. Night Shyamalan and Ridley Scotts of the world. <laughs> but they're like, you're going to love this one. And then they're like, oh, you're going to hate this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Anne oh, Fletcher so kills it every Watch time. Watch Dumplin' if you have Netflix. It's very, very it, good. Do it. Um, I want to also talk about The Miseducation of Cameron Post by Desiree Akavan. And this might be a little more difficult for people to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, I still I haven't been able to. I uh, I don't condone this, but it is on YouTube. <laughs> Just you didn't hear you that know. from us. I didn't. I didn't say it though. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. What YouTube? What I don't know. <laughs> um, Cut that part this out. is um, this is a better version of Boy Erased. Um, Boy mm-hmm. Erased, the movie that, as you all know, traumatized Han Lozier. Yeah, she didn't finish it. I thought it was you know, a fairly, like, fine and perfectly adequate movie. However, this one is better. Yeah. Um, in terms of telling a story of a teenager getting sent away to a gay conversion therapy-type camp, this is, this is better. Um, mm-hmm. This is, I thought that the theme of this was much more clear than Boy Erased. I thought that this kind of, like, this gave you more of an insight into just teenagers who happen to be in this really awful situation Mm -hmm. rather than the awful situation being the star of the movie like these teens okay i would probably enjoy that a lot more 
Yeah. These, like, every character in this movie was, oh, this is a multifaceted, like, dynamic character with all sorts of struggles, but also all sorts of beautiful talents, and also, like, these moments of joy and happiness, this and this and this, and like they Boy happen Erase. to be, right, and they happen to be at this place. Whereas, you know, Boy Erase kind of seemed like everyone's That's the choice of on one, and that it one's is. the lesbian one, and that yeah. one's the, yeah. <laughs> that one's the yeah, one that exactly. gets hit by the baseballs. Yeah, all of their character trait is just, they are at a gay conversion. Yeah. And it's like, that's, you know, they're more than that. And this movie did that. This movie was like, hey, look at these kids who are in a really awful situation, but look at how they're still kids. Mm-hmm. And and while Boy Erased was more of like a, I would say like a political stance kind of a movie, mm-hmm. um, this was a coming of age movie that was set at a gay conversion therapy camp. Mm. Um, it was stunning. It was beautiful. And the thing is, is that like, this this was so well directed because it could have so easily been like Boy Erased. Mm-hmm. It could have so easily become a political statement. It could have so easily taken a turn into like weird, dark like place. Mm-hmm. And the director of this, um, Desiree Ackerman, just had such an obvious vision for this movie of being like, this is just your average coming of age story with a really difficult setting Mm -hmm. and she knew that and because the director knew what she wanted this to be it was consistent the entire movie there was never a question of what kind of movie this was that's beautiful Um, it's just so beautiful and then you know queen chloe grace moretz she's really like starting to realize what she can do Mm -hmm. recently and i am all for it she peaced out to like out in suspiria dude yeah she peaced out on the um on the popular stuff and she's like i'm just gonna be an indie darling yeah and and she's doing a really great job of it suspiria i didn't realize that that was her like okay (laughs) and then i heard her voice like the second time i was like oh she has a very distinctive the first scene in Suspiria where she's in, like, I, the whole time, so I was watching it with Jordan, and I was like, is that Chloe Grace Moretz? That sounds like Chloe Grace Moretz. And I was mm-hmm. like, that looks like Chloe Grace Moretz. That looks like her. That's her. And I was like, I'm gonna IMDB this. And mm-hmm. then I looked it up, accidentally pulled up the uh, old Suspiria, the first Suspiria. Oh. Yeah, in which, like, everyone was Russians. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was looking at the cast list, and I was like, oh, I guess it's not Chloe Grace Moretz. So because funny. I don't recognize any of these names. <laughs> and then it wasn't, like, until towards the end of the movie that I was like, this is a remake. Did I not look up the remake IMDb? And when I looked up the remake IMDb, I was like, oh, that's Chloe Grace Moretz! <laughs> and it really changed my whole life. <laughs> She's great. She's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just had a mind meld moment yeah, there. Yeah, we do that a lot. We do that quite a bit. I'm surprised we haven't done it more on this podcast. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, it's fine. Um, okay, so a movie that neither of us have seen? No. Yeah, neither of us have seen, but we both want to see. And um, it's got all the buzz, which doesn't always mean right. something is amazing, but if it's an independent spirit award, it probably does. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the movie The Writer, directed by Chloe Zhao, was it, a huge deal this past year. I heard so much about it. Yeah, it was um, like that other without having seen horse it. boy one. Yeah, there were two horse boy movies that came out this year, Lean on Pete and The Rider. I mean, three if you count, sorry to bother you. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Army Hammer is a horse girl. Uh, <laughs> why? Why? Um, so this movie got Independent Spirit Award nominations for Best Film and Best Director. Um, Chloe Zhao is a woman of color. She is Chinese. Um, this is about a rodeo rider, a horse a trainer, mm-hmm. boy, cowboy, <laughs> but mainly it's about family. Um, and apparently everyone was crying about this. Every person that I have yeah. talked to who has seen this movie, the like apart from saying it was just a beautiful movie all this and that the first thing that they always say is like i cried (laughs) and that's so great Mm -hmm. i love a good movie cry um but i put this on this list even though neither of us have seen it because a lot of people's um oscar like best director predictions like their short lists for Mm -hmm. their predictions included chloe zhao and so for her to not be nominated or to have any sort of of recognition. recognition, yeah. It's just a little weird. It's a booty. A little weird. Doesn't make much sense to me. But um, I will watch this movie once I get yeah. a hold of it. Um, Can't wait. And, yeah. And we'll, we'll do this and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the horse boys. Yes. I'll watch this and I'll watch Lean on Pete so I can yeah. have the full spectrum. I have seen Sorry to Bother You, so we're good on that front. Yeah. That's all three horse boys. All right. I'm going to let you take it away for this next movie because you actually loved it. Okay, so this movie I watched with my mom, and it made me feel all sorts of things. Um, it captured the hearts of America, I would say. And okay, it is yet another Netflix original film, which, like, thank you, Netflix, for giving money to female directors yeah. to make these movies, because you're doing an awesome job. Mm-hmm. You know, really- If nothing else, Netflix has done more for the female directors in the movie industry than the Academy has done in 91 years. They A- did it in the past year. Men. So, to all the boys I, I love, to all the boys I've loved before, it was directed by Susan Johnson, and this is her first like wide release, I guess you could call it, um, mm-hmm. movie. Um, this movie is so sweet and lovable and relatable. Um, you know, you really, really feel for every character. Um, you remember what it was like to be that age watching this movie and just like the way that their mom having passed away is treated is so like emotional and it really got me and like the mom does not pass away in the movie like she had cancer and passed away a long time ago and it's still like very much affected me Mm -hmm. um yeah and the representation obviously um they're a i believe they're korean in the family is in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they're half Korean. Their father is American. But um, it's just such a sweet movie and so well-directed. I loved every performance, and it actually had some really pretty shots, too, um, that surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. Made me feel all ki- will... types of things. Yeah. Um, I So I, I liked this movie mm-hmm. well enough. I didn't love it, um, but I think that I mainly just... I had mainly had problems with, like, acting stuff yeah. in it. There was not a moment that I had a problem with the directing. Um, I, I thought that it was, it was beautiful and it was really sweet. And um, this movie is also based off of... Um, so I think they're going to make more. Because yeah. this movie is based off of a book. By um, Jenny Han. That, yeah, so... Uh, 
recently I was feeling a little like, you know, feeling a little sad, had a little bit of that like seasonal depression going on. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to read some feel good books that I remember loving in high school Mm -hmm. just to like, you know, let myself feel a little happy, like unapologetically. And of course those books are like a bunch of teenagers falling in love on a beach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I got all of these books, I bought them and I started reading them and it wasn't until halfway through, I looked at the back and it was like, um, more from the author and it was like to all the boys I've loved before and all those books and I was like well look at that like look at her yeah it's all coming full circle I started reading her books in high school now I'm talking about this movie on a podcast Mm -hmm. that's the goal right that is the goal yes um speaking of Netflix romantic comedies. Netflix really brought back the romantic comedy I agree. this past year, I think. Like, just a solid, classic romantic comedy. Like, knowing completely and totally what it is, mm-hmm. um, they brought it back, and they also had Netflix original set it up. Ooh, yeah. My mom yeah. loved that movie. Oh, it's so fun. And I think, because I think Set It Up and To All the Boys I've Loved Before were the two, like, that were really getting the hype for Netflix bringing back rom-coms um, this year. Set mm-hmm. It Up, directed by Clara Scanlon. Um, and Set It Up, to me, was the better of the two. I loved mm. Set It Up. It was so fun. It was so just, like, quirky and actually funny like I was laughing the entire time um it's a movie about these two like um like interns slash like assistants for these two awful bosses and they realize that they can make their lives uh happier by hooking up their two bosses Mm. um because then they're happy and then their assistants are happy and then they end up falling in love and it's just beautiful and like I just love a pure little rom-com yeah um and Netflix really brought those you know like front and center this yeah dumpling kind and of... with women directors mm-hmm. look at them oh. go look at them go go netflix i mean dumpling has netflix. rom-com elements it's mostly a, yeah. a female oh film, with that but... boy who was in the uh the classic disney channel original movie minutemen what <laughs> yes I love that, him. The guy who plays Bo was the youngest of the three in Minutemen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a great movie. Love I it. I that one is female directed. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. Okay, we'll so. will do another episode on just a female directed Disney Channel original movie. True <laughs> that. So this uh, movie, um, the next one we're going to talk about, uh, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And it's The Spy Who Dumped Me, directed by Susanna Fogel. Mm-hmm. And I just want to talk about, again, like... Why not? <laughs> yes. Elevating the material you're given. Like, yes. That's why the female friendships in this film were so, like, real and so great. Because they were directed by a female who knows how female friendships mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that right there is kind of why representation is important. I don't think people understand that. Like, right. if you want realistic female friendships where they don't just talk about, like, men and drink wine all the time, then maybe yeah. hire a woman who's been in female friendships to make it. Yes. Um, the, the Spy Who Dumped Me was so hilarious. It was it's just fun. An effective spy thriller as well. Absolutely. Um, I loved that movie. And yes. Directed by a female. Yeah. 
And it only makes sense that the most, like, I think a running theme throughout, like, the movies that we have talked about and will keep talking about is that we're, like, astounded by the amount of, like, authenticity in female friendships Mm -hmm. um, or female, like, like mother and daughter or, like, father and daughter relationships Mm -hmm. or even, like, female, like relationships romantically like where we're just like wow it's so and even like coming of age movies like wow these female friendships are so real these female relationships are so real i wonder why literally Hmm. probably because the director knows what it's like that yeah exactly um so in that same episode that we discussed the spy who dumped me we also discussed this next movie blockers directed Mm -hmm. by Kay cannon it's their first movie wow it's her first movie and she made one of my biggest surprises of the year oh yeah like talk about going into a movie thinking that like it's gonna be super dumb and just like not a fan of it and then leaving the movie willing to fight and die for it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that is exactly what blockers was to me um we discussed this in the same episode of spy who dumped me so you can listen to that it's episode three the like feeling gloomy watch these movies um yeah, it's, a, it's my favorite one. Um, but this movie has just the most honest representation of what it looks like to be a high school girl. Mm-hmm. Each character in this movie has their own story, their relationship with their parents, the people around them, and it's funny. Like, yes. I don't know who said that females can't be funny, but newsflash, they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, the comedic timing in Blockers is incredible all across the board. Not just in certain scenes, not just from certain actors, but the whole movie, mm-hmm. and that's a sign of great directing. That's a sign of her being able to keep all of her actors in the same pacing, mm-hmm. um, being able to keep all of the talent, like, recognizing the full, like, big idea, vision of the movie, um, because there was not a single actor that was just there doing their own thing. Right. Which is incredible when you have a movie starring John Cena. Yeah. Like, in everything that I have seen John Cena in recently, it's John Cena playing John Cena. Yes. (laughs) And in this movie, he was just John Cena, part of this cast. Yeah. And that's incredible for her to be able to take, like, someone who doesn't quite have... The, chops. the acting yeah. resume, yeah, that we're used to, um, for her to take him and to be able, like, to have him deliver these lines that could be so bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and so cheesy and so weird and awkward, but instead are genuinely charming and hilarious, it's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that she directed one of my favorite scenes of the year, um, the limo vomit scene, uh, (laughs) just yeah, just goes to show that like I loved the direction of this movie. That's one of my favorite scenes of any movie (laughs) of the whole year, Um, and she did that. Um, And these are just like like we said at the beginning, these aren't necessarily like Oscar movies, but these are you should absolutely watch them movies. Yeah. And who's to say what is an Oscar movie? The Oscars are to say what's an Oscars movie. Um, but based on what they have nominated, could be anything. Jeez. Ugh. They're embarrassing. But yeah. So let's go um, back to um, another Netflix romantic comedy. Uh, <laughs> another horse girl movie. Oh. You remember the beginning? Very beginning. Oh, 
yeah. Yep, gotcha. Bird Box, directed by Suzanne Beer, who also directed <laughs> The Night Manager. I have mm-hmm. not seen The Night Manager. That's the Tom Hiddleston one, right? <sighs> yes. Um, okay. It has a 3.7 on Letterboxd, which is pretty high. Yeah. Um, for that social media. Um, I haven't seen it, but anyway, that, yeah. she's made other stuff. Uh, this movie did have going for it that it was stylish and competently directed. Yeah. And Suzanne Beer did that. Yeah. She worked with her script. She did. She, yeah, the script, not a fan. What she did with the script, good for her. Pretty good. Good for her. Yeah, her visual, um, representations and the way that people acted and... You know. If nothing else, that was a flippin' beautiful movie. It was pretty. That yeah, last that scene where they're really running through pretty. the forest and the trees are yeah. getting knocked down, nuts. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I um, I was very impressed by that movie. Another mm-hmm. Netflix giving money to a female director to make their biggest hit ever. That's true. So that's awesome. That's true. We yeah. love female success. We do. We love it. Um Speaking of female success, um, let's talk about the movie Can You Ever Forgive Me, directed by Marielle Heller. Mm-hmm. So this movie, um, <laughs> is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So this movie is about um, it's based it's based on a true story, um, uh, and actually based off of um, a memoir written by Lee Israel, um, and this movie is based on that, so it's it's about her life, and Lee mm-hmm. Israel finds her writing voice by forging letters and notes from deceased celebrities, hmm. um, and she is, like, getting, she gets, you know, she gets caught, she escapes, she gets caught, she escapes, like, the, it's the whole thing in which she just gets more and more into, like, questionable ethics all throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one... I, I do want to talk, like, we've been talking about movies just in terms of, you know, you should see them. Mm-hmm. Should they be nominated for an Oscar? Maybe, maybe not. But with these last two, I really want to discuss that they are ridiculous in the, like, it's ridiculous that they were not nominated for mm-hmm. Best Director. Yeah. So, especially in the case of Marielle Heller, both of the film's stars, Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, landed Oscar nominations. For Melissa lead actress and supporting yeah. actor. Yeah, for lead actress and supporting actor. This movie also got a nomination for adapted screenplay. This movie has three Oscar nominations, but no directing nomination. This movie was one of the most, like, was one of the most subtle, like, quiet movies of the year in the best way like it it gave me chills the whole mm-hmm. time um it was the definition i think of um how sometimes it's more beautiful to watch a story be repressed than mm-hmm. to just be like all out and like explosive about um what it's trying to say in the story right. like she the director mario heller really did an incredible job of pacing like this movie to where you were waiting for something to happen so that when something actually did happen, it felt really satisfying. Well, we've, um, we've talked about throughout this whole episode, the theme has been a deft hand, subtlety. Yeah, um, absolutely. Knowing when to let off and exactly. knowing when to push on the gas. 
That yeah. Apparently in film that is a f- very female trait. Yeah, that is. And I'm and I'm thinking about like male dra- like I'm thinking about one end of the spectrum where you've got Michael Bay who is like and a big thing here and an explosion here and a like American flag at golden yeah. hour. Let's have zero subtlety. If I want the audience to think it, a character will say it. The <laughs> like, camera's going to we'll go real low it. and pan around. Yep. In you a see circle. That thing? Let's put the camera right there. <laughs> like we've got that on that end of the spectrum. And then I think we also have like as far as male directors go, like Bo Burnham showed a really great hand at doing Definitely. that this year too. Um, and so it's not like, you know, necessarily male female thing, but it is one of those things where we recognize that every single female director we've talked about lately has that ability right like has that just innate ability to say you know what like we're not gonna push this any deeper than it needs to go we're gonna let it sit right here we're gonna let it breathe with the audience and then we're gonna like keep going you know and like that's so that's really difficult like in revenge um going back to the first movie we talked about um a lot of that like like, I spit on your grave, and last yeah. house, house on the left, the rape revenge story is so exploitative mm-hmm. and incredibly uncomfortable, and they don't know when to let off. Mm-hmm. In revenge, you know that it's happening. Someone witnesses it, closes the door, turns the TV up, and ignores it. Mm. That, right yeah. there, she knew that you didn't have to see what was happening to understand yeah. the horror. Mm-hmm. And she gives you plenty of horrible body horror later on. But the hand that she had to know that we don't need to see the whole gross, graphic, disgusting scene Mm -hmm. for to to feel bad for that female character, to know that she's been through, you know, Mm -hmm. the worst. Yeah. It's that level of subtlety, that deft hand, uh, it is often present in female-directed films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, yeah, same thing, like, with In Can You Ever Forgive Me. There's this incredible scene where um, Melissa McCarthy is trying to steal some authentic documents. Mm -hmm. um, And there's, oh, my gosh, just the the tension in that scene, the way it's shot, the way it's built up, the way that, in my opinion, most directors would have approached that as, like, a, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to have some super huge swelling music. It's going to, like, she's going to steal the thing and then she's going to leave and that's it. You know, mm. it's exciting. It's a heist moment, like, whatever. Yeah. But, like, Marielle Heller takes that scene and stretches it out for almost, like, an agonizing amount of time mm. in the best way. Because the whole time, I was, like, sweating. Like, mm-hmm. my armpits felt, like, like prickly like I was like I can't feel like my whole body right now like this is I don't know what's happening there's too much going on like it was so good mm-hmm. man and just like I just I don't understand like all of the nominations that it's getting without her being nominated yeah for it's weird doesn't make sense um mm-hmm. and just FYI Nine women um, in the past 91 years of Oscars have directed the movies that were nominated for Best Picture, um, but not nominated for Best Director. And that just doesn't make sense. So, you know, what's, what's, what's a movie without a director? Right. <laughs> Nothing, really. It's just chaotic. It's all over the place. You need that it director. It can't be the best some... picture without a best yeah, director. it just doesn't make sense. At least a nomination. Like, mm-hmm. maybe there were others that directed better that year, but, like, what are, like, 
What are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Me either. I don't get it. Like, nobody would think to nominate Roma and not nominate Alfonso Cuaron. Exactly. Like, That movie did not happen in a vacuum. Right, exactly. And, like, for some reason, you know, apparently in the past we've had moments where we've been like, yeah, this is, I don't know. I don't know. So the last movie we're going to talk about is the one that I think we knew was going to get snubbed, just like with Tony Collette. But I was holding out some hope, but man. we just, I mean, I still don't understand it. I, um, I don't understand So, You Were Never Really Here, directed by Lynn Ramsey, Ramsey who also directed We Need to Talk About Kevin, mm-hmm. um, is the most, probably the most brutal and violent and disturbing movie of the year. In the best way. I watched, I had my hands over my eyes the whole movie, but watched it between my fingers. Like, that's what this movie was. It's less than 80 minutes long, and there's not a second of it that your stomach isn't turning. So, it is um, about a Gulf War veteran with really severe PTSD who, um, to make a living, he has the job of rescuing little girls from sex trafficking. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's your premise. Yeah. It's a bit of a revenge movie, too. Um, a lot of commentary on, um, justice and, like, what that looks like. But watching it, again, the same way I talked about revenge, um, while the violence and content were brutal, Mm -hmm. it had that extra touch of not being exploitative Mm -hmm. that I think women can hit Far yeah. more often than men can. Right. And you, again, you didn't have to see horrible things happening to feel the effects mm-hmm. of them. Absolutely. Joaquin Phoenix not being nominated for Best Actor for this mm-hmm. is a shame. A complete shame. Is. Doesn't um, make sense. It just, it doesn't. The fact that this movie got zero nominations, mm-hmm. zero, makes no I sense. I think even, like, I, for, oh my goodness, the, for me... I'm upset about Joaquin Phoenix not being nominated. I'm upset about Lynn Ramsey not being nominated. I'm very upset about sound not being nominated. Yeah. Because it played its own character in this movie. Like, oh, it's that's, horrible. That's how you learned of most of the exposition of this was through these, like, panic attacks that Joaquin Phoenix's character was experiencing. Mm-hmm. His name, Joe, that he was experiencing where, like, he would have these, like, panic attacks and you'd hear, like snippets of audio and you couldn't mm-hmm. quite tell exactly what was happening and you kind of felt that throughout the whole movie and I the choice that she made to do that even mm-hmm. um, and not to go hey guys here is why he's messed up here's a flashback Look at that. yeah and like instead going hey guys he's messed up I'll show you why the whole movie like that's a great choice I think yeah um, this is one of my favorites of the whole year it it got a lot of love when it was out um, it's still getting a lot of love, and for some reason, apparently no one in the Academy remembers it, because it did come out fairly early. Mm-hmm. Um, but, come on, guys. It's just sad. Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, because the child actor in this film is amazing. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix oh, is amazing. The, uh, the, like, dinner scene in which she is just casually eating food with blood all uh-huh. over her is like Ooh. oh my goodness 
that was so it was beautiful but also it was really like visceral and really even the so super creepy this? character that played uh or the super creepy lady from orange is the new black that played oh. the mom yeah was oh, scary um that's it's great it's on amazon it'll only take 80 minutes of your time and you'll think about yeah. it for the rest of your life absolutely great <laughs> Um, some, there's some other movies that came out this year. Um, we, we didn't, I don't think either of us got to see Private Life, um, directed by Tamara Jenkins. Another Netflix movie. Yeah. We will see it at some point. Yeah. But that one, uh, is about a couple struggling with infertility. It's gotten a lot of love for Katherine Hahn and Paul Giamatti, right? Sure. I think. I'm just thinking yeah. about <laughs> our queen, um, Doc Ock. Yeah, I love her. Um, But yeah, Private Life got a lot of love and Mm -hmm. didn't hear anything about it past that. Mm -hmm. Destroyer, directed by Karen Kusama. That got some uh, Golden Globes love, right? Yeah, and a lot of people were like, just because it's Nicole Kidman going just boss to the wall, crazy. (laughs) Um, But Karen Kusama, I really want to talk about because I haven't been able to see Destroyer yet. It came out late. but Karen Kusama is one of the best, like, thriller, horror, um, suspense directors that we have. Mm-hmm. And she, mark my word, she will make something get out level Ooh. in the next few years. She is a woman of color. She's half Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, she made The Invitation in, I want to say it was 2015, um... And that is an incredibly intense horror film mm-hmm. um, that keeps you guessing the entire time. Is so well directed, um, just from start to finish, a great movie. And then the <laughs> legendary Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body that was lampooned in its time and never appreciated yeah. for what it was. Yeah. Directed by Karen Kusama. That yeah. woman. That was a movie that only a female could direct. She has it going on, man. She yeah. is one of the best directors working today. And I'm, I'm disappointed that I haven't seen Destroyer yet. But I'm also disappointed that she's not getting as much love as she should. Yeah. Did you see Wrinkle in Time? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Wrinkle in Time, directed by Ava DuVernay, was a hot mess of a script. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm hot mess of a script um but for a director to get handed that awful of a script and still make a movie that i enjoyed watching Mm -hmm. i'm impressed yeah i'm impressed like she she took that script and she was like you know what we're gonna save this we're gonna take this um script that could is like an f Mm -hmm. we'll make it like a c plus we'll get it there and Mm -hmm. like that to me is impressive. Yeah. Um, I love that story. Don't think it should have ever been made into a movie. But yeah, whatever. it just, I read the book like 14 <laughs> yeah. times when I was a kid and I yeah. just think it's a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's one of those, which is a shame, but obviously she's incredible. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm hoping she does something incredible soon. Yeah, because, because she's she done has in the past. Yeah, so, she's yeah. done documentary. Now mm-hmm. she's done some features. Yeah. Let, let's get her some really interesting material and see where she goes. Yeah. 
So we asked you guys on Instagram um, about some of your favorite, either some of your favorite female directors or some of your favorite movies that happen to be directed by female directors. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting to get like any responses in yeah. all honesty, because I think when you just kind of have this casual conversation, I think most people are like, well, I don't know any female directors or they have seen a ton of films by female directors and don't realize they were directed yeah. by female directors um whereas we pretty much know when who directed a film when it was male director which is yeah. an interesting thing to note but you know um but yeah so do you want to go ahead and start out um with so some of these this first answer is one of my favorites too um and she's she's film royalty um <laughs> it's sophia coppola um, one of the five only five female nominated yeah. actors. Yeah. Um, she was nominated for Lost in Translation. Um, she also directed Marie Antoinette and yes. The Bling Ring. The Bling Ring! Which you Has guys, it? you guys abandoned that movie like you abandoned Spring Breakers. Oh, no. And they are both fantastic films about yep. the waste of the rich American teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and I love them. Yes. And they're A24. Yes. And they matter to me. So The Bling Ring is a great movie. That movie oh is sick. There it are, doesn't get enough recognition. I mean, and there are moments in that movie that is, like, people wrote off as a materialistic, um, stupid movie. Uh-huh. Um, there are moments in that movie that, like, had my had me tensed up as much as revenge or you were never really here. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Same. scenes where you're like, these people are so stupid and they're all going to kill each other. And <laughs> like my stress level is through the roof. Um, yeah. Sophia Coppola is a great answer. She is mm-hmm. incredible at what she does. Mm-hmm. And um, her sister Gia Coppola um, directed Palo Alto, which was written by Ooh. James Franco. Fun fact. I did not know that. Well, that's a fun little fun fact. I have them. Um, <laughs> um, Jacob said Wayne's World by Penel- Penelope Spheris. I didn't know that Wayne's World was female directed. Nobody knew that. <laughs> huh? Nobody knew that. Well, apparently Jacob knew that. Good for you, Jacob. Point Break was too. Ooh. Okay. Fun fact. Um, L answered with the uh, one of the most like obvious like yeah. answers but not in the very least like a lesser answer mm-hmm. it's obvious for a reason um l said ladybird by greta gerwig yeah obviously i'm so ready for little women me too i can't explain how ready i like they really crafted a movie directly for me <laughs> <laughs> in which they have little women a story that I love so much. I worked mm-hmm. on costumes in uh, in the in the costuming department um, for that when we put it on um, at college, mm-hmm. and I just would like sit like in the wings just watching the show. Like, oh, I love this story so mm-hmm. much. I love it. Um, but um, oh yeah, and it also of course it has Timothy Chalamet. It has Saoirse Ronan. It has directed by Greta Gerwig. Like, I'm going to love this movie. Mm-hmm. And if you watch, um, or if you listen to the A20 Promoting Other Podcasts, hi. Mm-hmm. Um, the A20 I did it earlier with Jack's podcast. The A24 <laughs> podcast um, had Greta Gerwig and Barry Jenkins talking about yeah. directing Moonlight and um, oh. Lady Bird. 
And yeah. Greta Gerwig tells the story that she was, like, in some goofy aerobics class at a YMCA. And they asked them to, like, scream something that they really wanted. And just without even thinking, she said, I want to be a director. Oh, yeah. And that was how she knew that she wanted to direct Lady Bird. And I just, I love her. I love, I love that her. movie. Yeah. Um, it was, it's incredible. And the representation of mom-daughter relationships. Yes. Can we just. The best in any. The thrift store movies. scene. The thrift store scene. The moment where it's so real. Like, and, and the timing of it is perfect, too. And that's a nod to her directing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the timing of them arguing. Yes. And they're yelling at each other. And they're like snippety and like mother-daughter like yeah. bickering and then out of nowhere her mom's like oh look at this dress and she's like oh my gosh it's so pretty it's perfect <laughs> it's yeah like it's that is so well times like yeah it's perfect um and there's um i don't know exactly what you need to type in to find it but on youtube i'm pretty sure you can type in um Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird, like, directing on set, uh-huh. or, like, behind the scenes directing or something, and there's this compilation of Greta on set directing throughout mm-hmm. the movie, and her directing style just seems so full of light mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, like, I want to be on a Greta Gerwig set. I don't care what I, I could be bringing her snacks. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I just want to see it. Like, the scene um, where Saoirse Ronan and Lucas Hedges are, like, running, you know, through, like, the field or whatever. Yeah. It's the first time that they are, like, I love you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, during that scene, Greta Gerwig is just behind the camera going, run faster! Turn left here! Lucas, you better kiss her! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just so beautiful and I love it. Yeah, oh we gosh. had to give a lot of time to that because I respect her yeah, so much. Love and her. That's an all-time for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jody said Frozen, um, which was um, co-directed by Jennifer Lee. The other director is male. Um, but Frozen, which, by the way, Frozen 2 trailer came out. I didn't think I'd be excited for it. Watched the trailer, and uh, I am very much excited for it. I mean, that um, movie, I, I cried in the theater. It, it got me. It makes absolute sense that there was, like, a woman making decisions because that sister that, that sister relationship yeah. that sister relationship and just elsa in general like mm-hmm. how strong she is but also like how um what what's the other one the redhead anna anna <laughs> yep <laughs> we could see which one i identified with <laughs> um the uh, the other one anna um was also strong in a different way um and that can only be like a woman behind the scenes going hey we got to we gotta make them real, you know? Mm-hmm. And the trailer looks incredible, and Anna looks like she's gonna kick some butt, and I'm ready. Me too. Yeah, um, so on this list, I guess we also got Selma, directed by Ava DuVernay. Yeah, that was submitted by Abby, who is actually sitting uh, about five feet away from me right now. Five feet is not, it's more than five feet. I don't know how to measure. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> she's Abby. She's sitting on my couch right now, and she's uh, doing some embroidery. Wow. It's a fun Saturday <laughs> here at the Derweta household. Don't tell them that we record on Saturday. We don't want them to think we're losers. Oh, no. It's okay, guys. We, we have plans later. Before, uh... we, we have, we plans have very later. busy days. And I promise. We're going to be super cool and hang out with cool people. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be social. <laughs> it's fine. For sure. Um, Elliot said Wonder Woman. Which, as we all Patty know, Jenkins. was directed by Patty Jenkins. 
honestly the best thing that DC has ever created. Agreed. Let's let's be real. Like DC, take a cue here. We want women directing women superhero movies. We like, want women superhero want movies. Period. Yeah, we want women superhero movies, but we also would like for them to be directed by women. Like yes. let's let's do that more, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because we want uh, no more Suicide Squad, please. (laughs) Only Patty Jenkins directing Wonder Woman. And then the last one we got was um, American Psycho, directed by Mary Heron, and Love and Mm -hmm. Basketball, directed by Gina P. Bythewood. Sure. Um, Jordan submitted that. Haven't seen American Psycho, but Love and Basketball. Come on, a classic. Like, Mm -hmm. just the the sweetest, like, I love, like I said earlier, I love a good movie cry, and that'll give it to me. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for that. Um, so some of our favorites, um, a, a Parent Trap, the Lindsay Lohan one, with directed by Nancy Myers. Heck yeah! A classic. Come on, and once again, exploring these dynamics between these two sisters and their relationship with their parents, and like, just oh my goodness, the dynamics between like the the whole family situation. Like, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, uh, y'all may not know this, but Clueless and Fast Times at Ridgemont High were both directed by Amy Heckerling. Amy Heckin Heckerling. A genius. Clueless is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> um, and I would also just like to give an honorable mention to A League of Their Own, directed by Penny Marshall. Mm-hmm. Honestly shaped my whole childhood, I think. I think I always just wanted to um not necessarily start my own baseball league but maybe like you know a version of that that yeah. doesn't quite include sports <laughs> yeah 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 whatever that is um yeah so basically what we're saying is women be directing movies yes um i would also just like to say bigger picture here 20 years ago People living in America couldn't imagine having a women president of mm-hmm. this of this country. They couldn't. They were like, "What's that like? Imagine that kind of life." Whatever. Yeah. And now, at this point in time, we currently already have six women running for president in 2020. It is February 2019, and That's like, nuts. Academy, take notes. Like, you know what? Once you start giving women more of a platform and start celebrating them, they will come out of the woodworks like they will say hey we've been here the whole time mm-hmm. thanks for finally recognizing us it's been you know we're, we're wait- we've been waiting but we'll forgive you it's fine like it's not too late to it's not too late to change this year's nominations you've already changed your mind on everything else <laughs> yeah why don't we just go ahead a cat i know you're listening to this <laughs> they podcast, do they listen the academy yeah so um the academy <laughs> yeah so you guys you've made a lot of changes already even in just the past day. Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't hurt to make a couple more. Put Lynn Ramsey in there. We're just saying. Take away Adam McKay. I'm sorry. To leave him. We yeah. want Lynn Ramsey. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So um, we we did that. We talked about we women. We did. Happy Valentine's Day, dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, we have been kind of getting into a rhythm of posting every other week. Um, we're going to stick to that rhythm. Uh-huh. However, we will have a special episode next week. So you'll get three in a row. Three weeks in a row. All um, right. Yeah. 
So the next week uh, is our Oscars reactions. It's episodes. the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's our Super Bowl. Um, I think what we're probably going to end up doing, which um, uh, those of you listening, this is the first time that I'm bringing it up to hand losers, so pressure's on. Um, everyone's listening because we record this live. <laughs> Apparently, no. Yeah. Um, I would like for us to record immediately following the Oscars. <laughs> like oh, yeah. it's gonna be late. That's, That's gonna be plan. like a five-hour broadcast. No worries. <laughs> and we're gonna, we're gonna give you guys our reactions. The tea. Um, I will go ahead and predict right now that if Bohemian Rhapsody gets any awards other than you know Rami for best mm-hmm. actor, I will throw a fit. Yeah, I will absolutely throw a fit. So get ready for that. Yeah, I think yeah. it's coming. Oh, yeah. Our BuzzFeed quiz this week, we are going to determine um, which Parks and Rec character should be your galantine. Um, Should we take this from the perspective of a female director or from one of their characters? I don't think I can speak to the perspective of the female directors. Okay. Um, So... I was like, the only one I'd be able to take this quiz as is Greta Gerwig, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. That'd be fun, though. Yeah. Let's... We should Greta Gerwig have um, as her Galantine from Parks and Rec. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Why not? Why not? Let's change it up a bit. Let's take it as an actual human person. Greta Gerwig, if you're listening and we answer some of these wrong, feel free to reach out and tell us, please. You can let us know. I would love to be corrected by Greta Gerwig. <laughs> yes. Okay. Greta Gerwig, what is for brunch? So we've got waffles, um, eggs and bacon, uh, like a little like yogurt and granola and berries bowl. Um, we've got a Bloody Mary. We have a full spread of what looks like croissants and a mimosa and some English biscuit muffin things and like it looks very fancy. Um, and we have pizza. Hmm. Well, we know it's not. There's a whole scene in Lady Bird where they're arguing about the eggs. <laughs> And if we so recall, no Lady Bird right. is autobiographical for Greta right. Gerwig. <laughs> so I can honestly imagine Greta Gerwig having ordered pizza to set one day, and then she's just so busy, and she doesn't sleep the night before, and she comes to set early the next morning, cup of coffee in her hand, and she's like, oh, I forgot to eat breakfast. And she's pizza. just like, oh, pizza leftover? Cool. I see it. It's got its own plate. She can just kind of hold it in her hand while she's running around, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. The breakfast for the busy woman. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Pick a Pawnee hangout. JJ's Diner, City Hall, Therapy Spa, The Glitter Factory, <laughs> Wamapoke Casino, or the Snake Hole Lounge. Can we picture Greta in the Snake Hole Lounge? I can. <laughs> wow, what a scene. The I suddenly hole want lounge. to make this movie. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I bet she's um, a Parks and Rec fan. Oh, I hope so. Have you seen, this is a completely other separate thing, there's like a Twitter thread where someone um, was like watching the movie I Feel Pretty starring Amy Schumer and Greta Gerwig came in with some friends to watch it and it was like an empty theater besides just I them. Have. And she's just live tweeting Greta Gerwig's reactions. <laughs> I have seen that Twitter thread. I love her so much. Okay. Too. Um, I can also see her in JJ's diner. She's like just a diner girl, you know? Yeah. I can see that. I would love to see her in the Snake Hole Lounge, but I can't see her in the diner. 
I say snake hole lounge. Let's do okay, it. Okay, just because it's fun. Why not? It's for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Okay, who would you want as your Valentine? Ron Swanson, Jean Ralphio, Andy <laughs> Dwyer, Chris Traeger, Ben Wyatt, Tom Haverford. Hmm. Ben she Wyatt. Would want, she would want John Ralphio around. Yeah. Just for the entertainment, I think. Sorry, Greta, if I'm wrong. But I think she would go for a Ben Wyatt. Ben's a thinking woman's Valentine. A thinking woman's man. <laughs> All right, we're going to go with Ben. Cute. Okay, pick a conversation heart. Okay, so they have a little conversation heart that have these phrases Treat yourself, powder me. I salsa your face. <laughs> I like your butt. I hate you. And do me. Oh. So I would just picture like her like sifting through a bowl of conversation hearts and finding the one and she's like, oh, this one's cute. Hmm. I feel like she has the kind of humor where she'd be like, she'd love the I like your butt one. Yeah. She'd be like handing those out just to everyone. Yeah. Has, the, like, I like just, your butt one and the yeah. do me one. <laughs> yeah. She's just like walking around set throwing like conversation hearts. At yeah. People. Let's say I like your butt. I dig that. I, like I like your, your butt, butt one. Yeah. Yeah. She's gonna get Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> your ideal Galantine is sweet, funny, bold, sarcastic, selfless, or wild. 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 Let's, she needs someone to have fun with. I think wild. I feel like Greta Gerwig is, like, chaotic neutral, and she just wants everybody <laughs> around her to just... Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, which swag would you rent? And it's just pictures of Tom Haverford modeling. Oh, my uh, god! So they are loud formal. It's like this sequin tuxedo. <laughs> pool chic, which is the uh, chic... Um, pool, the swimming trunks. <laughs> um, Saturday, <laughs> which features a straw fedora. Oh my um, god. Office seasonal, which features a little briefcase and a scarf. <laughs> um, on the prowl, which is your like hitting of the club, getting them ladies yeah. um, <laughs> outfit. And track couture, which is the track suit with a scorpion on the back. <laughs> I like track couture. I can actually picture her wearing that jacket unironically. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay, we gotta do track couture. <gasps> okay. Greta Gerwig, and I would like for you to picture this friendship when I say it, okay? Okay. Okay. Greta Gerwig, which Parks and Rec character should be your Galentine? You got April Ludgate. Oh, I see yes. it. The description says April isn't the sentimental type, so don't expect too much from her. You may end up spending the day listening to German death reggae, but at least your val- Galentine's Day will be a memorable one. So what we're saying is... Greta Gerwig and I would be best friends. Yeah, That's essentially what we've come True. to as a conclusion of this uh, female directing episode. Are we saying that that means I'm Greta Gerwig? <gasps> For those of you that don't We're know, I am Leslie Nope. Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, who is April's... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it has been concluded. We have come back around to making the point that I guess we already knew in our hearts this whole time. Which is that you are Greta Gerwig and I'm April Ludgate and we're each other's Galentines. Yay! Happy Galentine's Day! Happy Galentine's Day, Hanloser. 
Happy late Valentine's Day and happy early Oscar Sunday. If y'all want to find us on the things, fill out our Oscar ballot or do, you know, interaction stuff. Do the interactions with us, please. (laughs) (laughs) We have a Twitter. It's called at CinemaRollsPod. We also have an email, CinemaRollsPod at gmail.com. Do people Um, use that? We also ask the, these kinds of questions on our personal Instagram stories. So, I mean, you know, find us somehow, I guess. Find me on the gram. <laughs> find us on Letterboxd as well. Um, yeah. Because we're Letterboxd watching some is... movies. Yeah, uh-huh. I watched two movies where a woman gets pushed off a cliff by her lover last night. Oh, good. Make a list. I one of my favorite lists is finally getting the traction it deserves on Letterboxd and it's the one where I said um, 2018 was the year for important animals that were crucial to the plot of the movie (laughs) and it's finally getting the traction that it deserves good what movie are you looking forward to every time I pause on this one and I always have an answer it's just like it leaves my body Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm looking forward to Frozen 2 I wasn't expecting this I didn't. I, I wasn't aware that I was going to be experiencing this sensation, mm-hmm. but I am. I'm looking forward to it. I am really excited about Happy Death Day to You. Okay. I love <laughs> the original so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Jessica Roth is a bab. Mm-hmm. I just, it is... 100%. I'm so excited. And I've heard good things, which mm-hmm. makes me really thrilled because I didn't want them to mess up this franchise because mm. the first one is, like, to me, an almost perfect movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Great. I'm very excited for that. Well, look at that. Even though the Yay. theater in my town is not currently showing movies. Oh, it's fine. I, I already mentioned this in um, a past episode, but I am more ready now for how to train your dragon three because it's coming out this weekend <laughs> getting there the so whoa we're also, ready to cry we mentioned dune one um one episode and apparently they're casting everyone in hollywood freaking jason momoa now like, <laughs> so we're, it's gonna be fun is anyone if you're not in dune you're a loser apparently <laughs> apparently if you're it's like the cool kids ta- table in like the cafeteria yeah oh no the cool kids table definitely had just like Timothy Chalamet with his father, Oscar Isaac. <laughs> and he's smoking a cigarette Why not? at all times. <laughs> yeah. And then like Zendaya's there just yeah. being her. Why not? Jason Momoa's like man spreading across like the whole table. That's My nice. man! <laughs> spreading. Oh no. <laughs> uh, Alright, we gotta go. Yeah, we gotta go. <laughs> we have busy days. We're busy we do. People. I'm a very busy social woman. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Peace and blessings. I thought you were just going to throw up a peace sign and not say anything, and I was like, they can't see you. (laughs) I'll post a picture on Twitter of me throwing the peace sign so y'all know what it looks like. Okay, great. (laughs) That's how the cinema rolls. (laughs) Oh, it's doomed.